Oh, good morning, sunrise. Good morning. As we make our way in, just want to say welcome to you. It's good to have you guys worshiping with us here today, and welcome to you guys online worshiping with us as well. It's good to be in community together worshiping. Yeah. So as we prepare our hearts as we to, to sing and to engage with God today and to hear his word, um, I was thinking about just singing in general and, 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 and how when we sing songs and when we listen to music, I find that we often kind of identify with a singer. We kind of put ourselves in the story sometimes. And even I find that it goes the same way when you're reading scripture, that you, when you're reading through some stories and really identify with the character that you're reading about, I find that happens often. And uh, this first psalm we're going to sing this morning, You Came, Lazarus, uh, speaks about the song of, of Lazarus in the Bible, where Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, he dies and was, is buried in a, in a cave, in a tomb. And uh, Jesus came and uh, he was super sad that his friend died and he he called him out of the grave to, to rise up and to be alive. And I like, especially like the words of the chorus in this song. It says, you came. I knew that you would come. You sang. My heart awoke up. I'm not afraid. I see your face. I am alive. You came. I knew that you would come. So I think it's, it's easy to put ourselves in the, in the place of Lazarus this morning to, um, to be waiting on God. Maybe you find yourself waiting in anticipation for something, for God to move in a certain area of your life. Uh, so as we sing this song, just uh, to cry out to God, to ask him to meet you here this morning, to, to move in the different areas of your life and to connect, connect with him. So why don't we stand together, let's worship, let's sing, and let's, let's praise the saying today.
different ways but you are like no other you are set apart you are holy nothing can compare to you no idols that we have in our lives that we sometimes have placed above you nothing can compare to you God nothing can compare open our eyes today to see your greatness to see your holiness to see your glory so that may we, that we may turn away from those things that we may be holding in your place. God, that it may be continually on our lips throughout the week that there is no one like you. There is nothing like you. Nothing can compare to your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, and your love. Let your love just pour out on us, each one of us today, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Welcome. Good morning. 
Good morning to those of you worshiping here and also worshiping online. And oh, I've been reprimanded for not keeping the microphone close to my chin. So um, hold me accountable. I don't know how I can do that when I have all this collateral material. And Dan, trust me, when you asked me to be a a morning host, you had no idea what you were getting into. (laughs) Um, And I do pray about this before I come. (laughs) Um, welcome. Uh, there's a QR code on the back of the chairs if you want to read the announcements. Uh, for those of you online, the announcements are also posted there, I believe. Okay, comments in the comments section. Okay. Uh, a couple things I want to mention. Um, if you're new here, then you see Carol at the Connect table, and we have a gift for you, and, but she usually can seek you out and find you. Um, but Welcome. Um, in two weeks, I just want to mention that on Sunday, October 23rd, our new pastor, Pastor Dennis Moles, will be starting with us. Very excited. Thank you to everyone who participated in the question and answer sessions and listening to his messages and voting. We just greatly appreciate you, and uh, we're excited to have him start with us. And um, today is actually Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And even though he's not here with us yet, if you would just remember to pray for him and for his family. Um, his wife, Amy, her mother is, is, uh, has terminal cancer, and they've brought in hospice care. And so pastors are people, too. And they need friends, and they need prayer, and they need family time, and they need time to mourn. And so if you would just be thinking of Pastor Dennis uh, in these next couple weeks before he starts, and then I'm sure once he's here, he'll share more with us. Um, we still have some volunteer opportunities uh, that you could uh, sign up for. My mother, Shaukya Vanderveen, she would tell us that if we come to church, we need to volunteer. We need to help in the nursery. We need to help in the children's ministry. We need to help serve coffee. So if you come, you need to serve in some capacity. And you too could be standing up here making announcements (laughs) with your knees hocking. (laughs) So see Julie uh, about that. And then finally, uh, we have a global missions fundraiser coming up this Saturday uh, here at the church starting at 5 o'clock. And before I kind of give you details about that, it is to benefit um, Christ for India, which is our global mission, and as well as Remember Niger. So that's what's going to be happening this Saturday. But um, part of that evening is going to include some fun and some games. And so um, I'm known as Trivia Deb in my family. But uh, So we might play some trivia, and we might play some other games, and one of those games could be Pictionary. So I'm wanting you to tell me if you know. I just quickly drew this up, Dan, while you were, you know, singing. But uh, if anybody knows what this is. Yes. We are having a chili cook-off uh, from the, for the adults. Good, good job. And... Um, So anyone who's an adult can enter that, and there's a $5 entry fee. And then for those of you that attend, you pay $5 for your vote, correct? And so please come to that, and you'll have some great food and a chance to play some games. And then for the kiddos, kids, does anybody know what this is? Yes. So we got pie and cupcakes, and you can make cakes, you can make cinnamon rolls or... Any kind of special treat for the kids. There's two categories. There's 12 and under, and there's 13 and older. So I'd uh, love to have your kids sign up, and if you want to help a little bit, parents, we, nobody will tell. 
So um, please come to that, and uh, I think that's it. If you want any more information on that, see Julie or Kathleen. And now, if I covered everything, okay. We are going to dismiss everybody for a time of welcome, and then the kids get to go to their children's ministry. So again, welcome. Thank you for coming. Well, good morning once again. You guys can find your way back to your seats. As we're winding down our, um, I guess, season with visiting pastors, we have Cal Alderink with us this morning. Cal is with Reach the Forgotten Ministry, Jail Ministry, mm-hmm. and um, so we're excited to have him this morning. Jail, or could you, Cal, could you tell us a little bit about the ministry over there that you're serving with? Yeah, um, Reach the Forgotten used to be called uh, Forgotten Man Ministries. We're currently in 33 jails in the state of Michigan. Um, we have chaplains in each one of those jails. We lead volunteers to come in to do Bible studies, one-on-one counseling. Um, basically, we just go into the jails and give Jesus. And uh, that's a summary. I could go longer, but I'll take <laughs> into my time of the sermon. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, we're very excited and blessed to have you this morning with us. Thank you, Cal. Thank you. Appreciate that. I should give you a little bit of information about me. Um, originally from this area, in fact, I graduated from Allendale High School in 78, um, traveled around. I, I was gone for about 35 years. In fact, a uh, piece of information that may be intriguing to you, I was Dan Fisher's youth pastor. So, yeah, I could tell you stories. Um, but uh, yeah, I was gone for 35 years. Most recently, I was a, a lead chaplain in Ingham County, which is uh, the county connected with Lansing. And when COVID hit, Todd Kreitschild, who was a former chaplain at Ottawa, went to a different ministry, received a phone call, Cal, do you want to go home? And uh, after 35 years, it's nice to be home. Um, It's especially nice being home where people know how to pronounce Dutch last names. You know, you get those phone calls and I can tell you're a telemarketer. No, thank you. Please remove me from the call list. But uh, yeah, it's good. Uh Uh-oh, that's not a good sign. We're going to work on this. Um, I want to take you to John 2 this morning. And as I work through that, I'm going to throw in some stories about the jail too. Um, The jail has to be, for me, the most exciting ministry I've been in. Um, Even being Dan Fisher's youth pastor, he paled in comparison to what I'm doing now. Um, It's great because we, in, in fact, the deputies have told me, when we walk into a pod, Things just calm down. Um, I know it's not me. It, we're, we have to wear these red vests. And um, it's kind of funny. I, I, I asked one time, why red? Because I thought it was, you know, either they could watch us on the camera better, seeing us walk in the hallways, you know, we stand out a little bit more. Although that's true, that's not why we wear red. I thought it represented the blood of Christ that we're sharing. Uh, that wasn't it. Our founder's favorite color was red. That's so random. But anyways, so we walk into the pods with these red vests on and things just calm down. You know, there may have been anxiety and tension in the pod before this, but we just, we know why. We know why. But, uh, and, and it's exciting uh, just watching God change lives. There's so many stories I could share, uh, but you guys have lunch that you have to go to. So, um, I am in John 2. And I, this is one of my favorite passages, by the way. Um, John 2, Jesus turns water into wine. 
Uh, I call this the most misunderstood miracle. The reason I call it the most misunderstood miracle, boy, this is going to get me today. Um, no, we'll, we'll, one of the things you learn in a jail is flexibility is very important. You always have to adapt. So um, anyways, I call this text the most misunderstood miracles for a couple of reasons. Most of the time people come to this text and say, well, if Jesus turned water into wine, it's okay to drink alcohol. That's not what this text is about. Uh, the other thing you may have heard, you've been at a wedding and the pastor, nobody pays attention to the pastor at weddings, you know. But the pastor may have said something like, Jesus so honored and sanctified marriage that he performed his first miracle at the Cana wedding. And so he honors and sanctifies this marriage. Have you heard that one before? Yeah, okay. I think I've actually used it that way too. That's not what this text is about. So this morning, I have one goal. When we walk out of this place, say, God's awesome. That's my goal. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read through this first, and then we'll dive into it a little bit. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And said to him, everyone serves a good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee, and manifested his glory. Would you pray with me? Father God, as we entered into this text this morning, we pray that we would see you. Um, our, our minds, our thoughts would be open to what you want us to say to respond to, to think, and to reflect on. So, Father, glorify yourself in this time. May the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we dive in, we have to take a step back. We live in 2022. This took place not in 2022. We live in West Michigan. This took place. Not in West Michigan. So there's three th important things that we have to understand about this culture in this time. First one is the structure of the family. The structure of the family at that time was much like a pyramid. At the top was dad. Dad was in charge. Whatever the family did, dad was in charge. Dad said jump. The family said how high. If there was a problem arose, it was taken to the father. Underneath the father was the firstborn son. Firstborn son kind of represented kind of like the vice president. Dad was in charge. Firstborn son was second in line. And then it worked all the way down. At the bottom were the children and women. Okay? So, father, firstborn son, other sons, at the bottom, the women and children. If the father happened to die, the firstborn son now takes that role of his head of the family. 
Okay, so we have to remember the structure of family. We also have to remember what weddings were like in that time. What would happen is Gruden's father and the bride's father would say, hey, we think this couple would be good together, let's arrange a marriage. A year later, the wedding would take place. And it'd be days long, sometimes it'd last an entire week. So in this year time, the groom and his family would be preparing for this wedding, making sure there's going to be enough food lined up. They didn't have refrigeration, so they had to make sure everything was planned. Uh, Kill the fatted calf right on time, stuff like that. And prepare enough wine for everybody to drink. The last thing that we have to remember is this culture. This culture was very different than ours. It was a culture of shame and honor. Whatever you did in the family... Everything you did was to honor the family, especially dad. We wanted to make dad look good. We would avoid, at all costs, shaming the family. That was the thing that... You couldn't imagine anything worse in the family than shame in that culture. Um, That one's hard for us to understand a little bit more. The Eastern culture still has that mindset of honor and shame, although that one's fading a bit now too. But as we come to this text... We have to remember those three things. And I'm going to revisit those points on the platform here to help us remember as we go through. Okay? So, back to the text. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out... uh Uh-oh... Now, the groom had a year's time to prepare for this wedding. He failed miserably. There's no more wine for this wedding. He knew who was coming. The invitation had been sent out long ago, a year ago. You know, we're having this wedding coming up. He knew how many were coming. He knew how long it was going to take place. He knew everything, and he failed miserably to prepare And there was impending shame. The wine had run out. The mother of Jesus said to him, now this tells us a couple things too. First off, we know that somehow Mary, and Jesus in respect also, was related to the groom. Because the only way she would know that the wine ran out was if she was in the groom's party. Some suspect that this was actually Jesus' half-brother, one of Mary's other children. Whether it was or not, it's not mentioned. But she knows the wine ran out, which means she had a close relationship with the groom. She also goes to Jesus, which tells us Joseph is dead, and now Jesus is the head of the family. Because this, this took place... With Joseph alive, she would have had to gone to Joseph. If she would not have gone to Joseph, I'm glad I wore tennis shoes this morning. If she had gone to Jesus before Joseph with Joseph being alive, she would have shamed Joseph. So we know she couldn't have done that. So because she goes to Jesus, we know that Joseph is dead, and now Jesus is the firstborn. Jesus is now the head of the family. She goes to Jesus with the problem. Okay, where we're at. We're in verse 3. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. 
And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I don't know about your dad, but if I would have said something like this to my mom, I would have been knocked into next week, right? Woman! (laughs) What we see, this English doesn't really fit for us here. Um, if, if we were down south, we, a, a better translation may have been ma'am. Um, but but what, what's happening here is really neat because we know the background too. What we see Jesus doing is he calls her a name that doesn't disrespect her, but it separates him from her. You see that? Woman, what does this have to do with me So there's a separation. And the last phrase gives us a key to these two sentences. My hour has not yet come. This one's an easy one to figure out. Because every single time in Scripture, when Jesus talks about his hour, why he came, he's talking about his death. So what we see in these two sentences is Jesus is separating himself from Mary And maybe we could put it this way. Um, Mary, hey you, I didn't come to be the head of this family and solve this family problems. I came here for a different purpose. Okay, that's kind of the background of what happens. And Jesus, Jesus is awesome. He has his illustrations ready to show us. So, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. Now think, at this wedding, they had a bunch of jars. They had a bunch of illustrations ready-made that Jesus could have used. But there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. Now these stone water jars, stone, um, was it, it's not like clay, because clay absorbs, so stone is kind of pure. So the Jewish rites of purification, they were cleansing everything. You know, you touch this, you wash your hands. You touch this, you wash your hands. You touch this, you wash your hands. You take a bath and you walk someplace, you wash your feet. Because there's always, you're always getting dirty with something. So these stone water jars held water so that we could purify ourselves. So we could wash ourselves of germs. We learned that during COVID, didn't we? But This was a Jewish rite for purification. So these water jars holding the water were there to purify. And yet, how many stone water jars were there? Six. You guys know what the Bible, the symbolism of number six is in the Bible, right? Number seven is the number of completeness, number of perfection. Six is one less than seven, incomplete imperfection, sin. So what Jesus does is he has this visual for us. I find it funny in the jail. Um, usually one of the first things I'll do is I'll walk up and I'll, I'll find somebody who's alone or something and I'll sit next to him and I'll say something like, yeah, so tell me about yourself. Don't care while you're in here because while you're in here doesn't define you. Uh, and sometimes I'll say, you know, from what I know, I'm the worst sinner in this room. 
I love that because one guy says, oh, we might have a debate on that one. But uh, I, I say, well, I might know a handful of, you know, I might know why you're in here. I never asked, by the way, but um, I might know why you're in here. There might be a handful of things I know about you, but I lived with me for 61 years. I know. I know me. And, and some guys say, well, what do I need to do? And here's the point that Jesus is making with a stick, six stone water jars used for purification. There's nothing I can do to merit purity before a holy God. It doesn't matter if I'm a member of Sunrise. It doesn't matter if I paid off the mortgage of this place. It doesn't matter if I serve coffee here. It doesn't matter if I'm on the worship team. What I do doesn't make me acceptable before God because these stone water pots used for purification still leaves me with germs. Still leaves me with a shame and sin problem. It still leaves this groom full of shame because he failed. He didn't provide enough wine for the wedding party. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. By the way, I want, I want to back up. I have a, in verse 5, you notice what Mary says? Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary's still in the mindset. Jesus is the head of the family. So he's in charge. She kind of identified to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? I mean, like, Duh. do whatever he tells you. Whenever you have a question in life, what should I do? There's the answer, isn't it? Do whatever he tells you. That's a good one. Um, so he tells the servants, go fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from. Now think about this. There was six stone water jars, had about 20 to 30 gallons in each one. So if we went in the middle, like 25 gallons, six, so that'd be 150 gallons of water now become wine. They take it to the uh, master of the feast, and he tastes it, and this is drop off the face of this globe, awesome wine, the best wine that's ever been made. you get the picture? Here's the groom, full of shame. He knows he didn't prepare well for this wedding. He knew the shame that was about to come on him. When each one, what, I, I told you I enjoy jail ministry so much. A lot of guys come into the jail and they're broken. Because, yeah, we can hide our sins sometimes. They can't. It's exposed. It's on the news. I heard it on the radio. I watched it on TV. I read it in the newspaper. Everybody knows about me now. And the shame is right there. What do I do with it? This guy's shame was right there. It was ready to be exposed in a moment's time. What, what did Jesus do? Jesus came, took the shame away. He removed it as far as the east is from the west. And in its place of shame, he gave them the world's greatest wine that was ever made. 
You know what happened to Cal Alderink a few years ago? Few, I'm getting older, it's a few older years ago. There was an evening where I was lying in bed, and I was crying. My mom came in to check on me. Cal, what's wrong? Mom, what do I need to be, do to be saved? You know what happened that night? I was just a nine-year-old kid. But Jesus took the shame and guilt that was in this guy, and he removed it. And in its place, he gave me him. He gave me his righteousness. Even though I may have been short of wine, in its place, God put the greatest wine that has ever been made. Now you know why I love this passage so much. This, this is a story of guys in the jail. I could tell you about uh, so many guys. Um, we recently had a banquet where we showed testimonies of individuals. And I had, there's one gal, I was walking through the lobby once, and she comes up to me, Chaplain? I, yeah, thinking, uh-oh, what did I do now, right? She said, thank you so much. My husband's life has been changed so much through the ministry. Um, he's still in the jail right now. But every night he calls his wife and they have devotions together on the phone. He leads the family in prayer. He's in jail right now, but his life has been changed so much. The wine that wasn't there anymore has been re replaced with a new wine. And he's rejoicing. And oh, it's exciting watching him grow. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, said to him, everyone serves a good wine first. And the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. When you think of what we just read, in, in the social and economic status of that time, where were the servants? They were at the bottom rung, Right? They're the only ones who witnessed, well, along with the disciples, they're the ones who witnessed this miracle. Where would you say the individuals at the Ottawa County Jail are? I find it so exciting watching these guys' lives change. Get out of jail and come to churches. By the way, almost every Sunday I'm at a different church, either being able to present the Word or giving updates on the ministry. And I do that because Psalm 121 verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain to build it all. And I, I'm encouraging the body of Christ in Ottawa County to pray for the ministry. Um, the Lord listens to our prayers and uses our prayers. So that's one of my goals. The other thing, I'm, I'm spying you guys out. Because when they get out, am I finding a church who will rejoice in great wine as opposed to past shame. We as a body of Christ understand grace. We understand what it's like to have changed lives. And we, of anybody, should come alongside those who are recently released and say, hey, walk with us. We only know one perfect person and he died for us. We're on a journey toward him. There, there's... One last application that I'd like to tie in because I'm watching the clock. I'm seeing I, my time's getting to the end. 
Picture yourself at this wedding. All of a sudden, you know, we've been enjoying wine through this wedding. All of a sudden, man, this is good stuff. But then there's some at this wedding who aren't carried away with the great wine. They know who made the great wine. And they're getting carried away. He's awesome. I'm afraid sometimes we as a body of Christ get so excited about God's gifts, God's blessings, what God has done, we forget who did it. We can be excited about the wine, or we can be excited about the winemaker. This morning we have gathered together to worship the winemaker. He has changed me. He has changed us. He has done something in us, and He is doing something in us. And that's awesome. That's great. We look outside and see the beauty of the sun not being blocked by clouds. We see the beauty of the leaves changing color. And we recognize that's the hand of an awesome Creator. Yeah, the creation is beautiful, but our Creator is more beautiful. I, I, I tend to be a Kenneth's method person keep things simple and sane. Um, I think it's because my, I have a simple mind. And for me, there's a simple way to do this, to live the Christian life. When I am focused on my Savior and enjoying Him, boy, that takes care of a lot of issues, doesn't it? It's when I'm caught up in the circumstances. Oh man, oh no, what's happening here? Oh no, what's going to happen with the election? Oh no, what's going to happen with the economy? Oh no, let's look at the gas prices. Oh no, look at... When I'm fixed on my Savior, oh man, He's awesome. He's got this. What do I have to worry about? Brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a lot of things about this passage that excites me. The gospel story. He removes the sin from me. And gives me life, and that more abundantly. There's a recognition that the, he chooses the lowly from amongst us. You know, there's not a lot of us who are high and noble of great report. You know, he shows he shows himself to commoners. But the thing I want to walk away with with you this morning: Jesus is awesome. Let's make sure we're focusing on the wine maker not the wine that he's blessed us with. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, you are so awesome. You are the giver of good things. But I pray for this body this morning that we not be focused on those good things, but be focused on you. So glorify yourself in our midst. I pray in Jesus' most precious and glorious name. Amen. Amen. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus as we, as we sing the last song, as we give of our tithes and offerings. Um, let's just bless him with what he's blessed us with. Give generously to the ministries here at Sunrise, to our global and local partners. <clears throat> Um, you can give with the QR code in front of you or in the bucket in the back. Um, 
yeah, but let's, let's continue to keep our gaze on Jesus. Let's sing together.
Love to talk to any of you afterwards. We have a table set up. I'd love to share some stories with you or if you have any questions. But to close, I want to share my favorite benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen.